0: Good morning. It's great to be with all of you here this morning. I'm glad to be in this service with you, but um, we have a problem we need to address here pretty quickly. Actually, some friends of ours out on the uh, on the Jersey Shore have this problem. It's, a, it's an epidemic that's being raised, and it's sagging. You may remember American Idol a few years ago. I think we have some pictures. It's pants on the ground, pants on the ground, looking like a fool with your pants on the ground. You guys remember that? Well, evidently, there's too many people out at these beaches, who are walking around with their pants so low that the tops of their underwear are showing, and uh, if they're wearing any underwear. and So Wildwoods is the home of some of the best beaches, some of the best dining, some of the best living that the entire Jersey Shore has to offer. And the mayor is receiving complaints about people who are sagging, and he says he got to do something about this, or people are going to stop coming. They're going to stop coming to the beaches. And so he's instituted a new dress code, a new measure, and he's called it the baggy pants measure. And uh, he's even gotten, uh, raised. he's got a billboard, I think we have a picture of that. I mean, he, that's kind of ironic to me, he doesn't want us to have to look at sagging, but then he puts a billboard up. But he's trying to raise some support for this new measure, and they're having a vote about it. And basically the measure says that you can't wear your, the waistline of your pants can't be more than three inches below your waist, your shorts or your swimsuit or your skirt. And uh, if you are caught sagging, you can face up to a $200 fine. Pretty stiff penalty, Right. And so uh, not everybody's happy with this one young man. I loved his response. He said, man, we have Wildwood to have fun. We want to have fun, so let them sag. To which the mayor responded, it's not that we don't want you to have a good time. We just want you to pull your pants up. <laughs> We're trying to create a little bit of decency, he says, and some people are resisting. And I thought this was kind of amusing. And I found out all of a sudden, that I started looking, all these other cities have actually passed codes just like this one, passed these rules. My wife kind of wants this code in our house. Not for my boys, but she says my pants are a little bit loose. So uh, maybe it's a good thing. But ultimately, this was a great illustration, I thought, because ultimately what the mayor of Wildwoods wants is he's got this great community. He's got this great things to offer, and he wants people to come and experience it. He wants them to invest their resources and their time there, and he wants it to grow and expand and for others to be able to experience it as well. And I thought, well, that's kind of like the church. That's kind of like our mission, right? We want people to experience the goodness of God. We want to experience the good life that he has to offer us. We want people to come. and we want them to invest their lives and their resources and grow this thing and expand it here in the Cedar Valley, out in, in Grundy County, in Haiti, Mozambique, all over the world. And just like the mayor who's trying to remove barriers that get in the way of that, we want to help remove barriers that get in the way of people experiencing that. And just like culture pushes for and against the mayor, culture pushes for and against us. So what does Jesus tell us to do? Jesus tells us to fight violently for his kingdom. Now before you react to that statement, I want you to know those are Jesus' words and not my words. Right, We're in this series called Jesus Said, and this is something that Jesus actually said. And I'd invite you to turn with me to Matthew 11 if you have a Bible with you. Um, We know that um, the Bible's Word is God's Word for us, those of us who are believers, who are followers of Christ, that that He wants us to read His Word so we know what it looks like to follow Jesus. We also know that not everybody who comes to a church on a Sunday morning uh, reads the Bible regularly or even believes the Bible, and we say that's okay, we're glad you're here, but we will encourage you to read it and find out what's in it because we think these words have power right and that power is revealed to us as we read his word but these particular words were written by Matthew who was a tax collector and spent a lot of his life resisting God in his way until Jesus came and invited him to follow him around and Jesus did that and he saw something in Jesus or received something from Jesus that radically turned his life around and so he's sharing with us some of those things he experiences that he experienced and that he heard And in this particular case, he's talking to us about a time Jesus was preaching in and around Galilee. And there's a large crowd that's gathered, and he's trying to help them make sense and understand some of the crazy things that have been happening ever since John the Baptist showed up. And so John the Baptist, we know, was a prophet, and he was going around the wilderness, and he was saying things like, repent from your sin, and come and be baptized, the kingdom of God is near, and masses of people were running out to the wilderness to check out this this guy who was a little bit weird, and they were going to see him, and pushing in on him, and some people were even being baptized, and they were experiencing this kingdom, but then he gets thrown in prison. Not everybody liked being called a sinner, evidently, right? Especially the ruler of Galilee, Herod. And so he calls out Herod for having a divorce with his own brother's wife. And Herod gets upset and he throws John in prison. People are like, what's going on? But Jesus is there and he's still continuing to do this amazing work, right? I mean, people are being, uh, they're being healed and, uh, all heaven is breaking loose. Demons are being cast out. And the the good news is being preached to the poor. All these crazy things are happening that people had never before experienced. They wonder what in the world is going on. And so Jesus is talking to the crowd, and there's a bunch of people starting to to press in to find out what this is all about. And Jesus says, he looks at the crowd, and he says this. He says, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. The NIV puts it this way, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence, and violent people have been raiding it. Well, that's really clear. It's like, huh? I mean, what's this all about? He starts talking about violence. I mean, Jesus is trying to help people make sense of this. Right, but he's talking about violence. What in the world's going on? He's trying to help them be able to work to a, a place where they can discover for themselves that he is the Messiah. And he tells them, "Look, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet ever. Other prophets that had pieces of revelation, bits of revelation from God that had been revealed to them from God and by God." But John gets the whole thing. I mean, the kingdom of God is here and it's here now. And there's all these tangible manifestations of the kingdom of God going on all around. He says, take a look. John's uh, ministry... Mark the end of the Old Testament prophecies. Mark the end of the old way of relating with God and ushered in an amazing new way of relating with God. And he said it's kind of like an Iowa football game where all the students are pressed up against the locked gates before the game starts. And as soon as they unlock those gates, those students make a mad dash for the front row seats. They want the best seats in the house. They want to be right up close to the action to check it out and see where it is. And they'll trample anyone or anything in their way. It's crazy, right? He says that's what's happening here. People are pushing their way to the front. They're pushing their way in to get up close to the action, to see it, to be a part of it, or at least to see whether they want to be a part of it. But not everybody was. Right? There were people who were upset, Jesus is saying. There were people like Herod who had bought into a culture of hedonism. And they thought that life was all about the pursuit of personal pleasure, or comfort, or happiness. They felt they were entitled to those things. And when John confronted their selfishness and their sin... They got angry, and they reacted violently. In fact, Herod would eventually cut off John's head. kingdom of God suffers violence. There's another group that's equally ticked off, right? We know that the religious leaders and the Jews, they'd worked hard to build a meticulous system of rules. And some of those were barriers. They were building rules like the mayor to keep some people out. And now those very people who they were keeping out are rushing in ahead of them Some of them were probably, even the robes were probably sagging, right? And they're rushing in and they're stealing the seats that these Pharisees thought that they were entitled to. They thought those seats had belonged to them because they had paid the strict attention, or at least had the appearance of paying strict attention to the rules. Luke says it this way. He says that all the people, even the tax collectors... Those greedy ones who not only collect tax but make such a ridiculous personal fee for themselves that it's just crushing us. Even those lowest of the low, the most corrupt, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they'd been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves. Jesus is changing the rules of engagement. He's bringing a new way of life that's opening the doors to the kingdom, The people who had been at the bottom, who had been abused and neglected and rejected and forced to the outside and pushed out of the kingdom all their lives. And for them, there could not have been a better opportunity. There could not have been better news, right? But for the religious experts, Jesus is threatening their system, He's threatening the way that they had always done things. He's stripping away their authority and they get ticked and they react violently and they look for ways to arrest and kill him. And I wrestled with God about this passage for a couple reasons. One, because too often I feel like a Pharisee. Sometimes I feel more like a hedonist. But also I didn't want to be, I don't want to be like John. Kelly Lancer, junior high director, said, well, just get up there and tell everybody they're a brood of vipers. You know, that'll work. I said, no, I, don't, I don't, I kind of value my head. I'm kind of attached to it, right? I don't like that. They killed John for that. I said, besides that, I'm not a prophet. I I really want to be liked. I'm not a prophet. I have my own stuff in my life, my sin that needs to be radically changed. And I said, "I, I can't call out other people's sin and selfishness. And then there's a bit about violence. I looked at God, I said, God, use that word twice in one verse. So people are going to hear the word violence and they're so sick of the violence of our culture or they're going to think about the Crusades or they're going to think about personal violence that's been done to them in their own lives or the Pharisees that they've run up against who have ruled them out of the church. I said, there's got to be a better picture. There's got to be something else. Can you give me a better picture, please? And this is what God gave me. Gallagher. Some of you may remember Gallagher, right? The comic genius of Gallagher. Others of you are like, I don't know who this guy is, probably because he maybe wasn't all that genius of a comic. So I asked God, is there another picture you could give me? And he said, uh, he just kind of laughed at me. So I said, all right, let's work with this a little bit. Gallagher's most famous routine, I don't know if you remember this, but was the Sledge Omatic, and it was a spoof on the Vegematic, the world's first food processor, electronic food processor, right? It slices, it dices, it cuts onions without crying, it can cut a firm tomato in a single stroke, all this great new product, right? Well, Gallagher invented his own Sledge Omatic, and it's the giant sledgehammer that you see in his hand, and he'd take it on stage, and I think we have some video of this, and he'd start violently pounding all kinds of food, and the juice and the pieces of food would get all over people. We can show some of that video. It was He takes lettuce and you make salads. He would crush cheeseburgers and even take toothpaste and grapes and all kinds of things, and people would be getting this stuff all over them, right? Here comes the toothpaste, watch out. I mean it was it was just mayhem, it was craziness. But the climax of all of this was the watermelon, right? People would pay $25 to sit in the front row for the opportunity to be sprayed by the juice of this watermelon, and it just goes all over creation. It goes all over everything. People would respond with hysterical laughter, screams of delight, right? They would applaud. They would stand up. They would beg for more. And I really, really didn't get this at first. I didn't understand what was going on. I thought, what in the world could be so good about this? It's sticky. It's messy. It ruins your clothes. What's so funny about it, right? But then I tried it. And I thought, you guys have got to experience this for yourselves. So I went and I built my own... Sledgematic, and I thought I'd bring in here today, I have a little bit of plastic, some of you might want to get ready and put a little bit of plastic on here, there you go, just in case, because you'll see, I mean, this is just awesome, it's really, really pretty cool. All right, here we go. Oh, wait, you're not ready yet? Should I wait a little bit? Make sure you cover John there, too, okay? All right, hold that up. Here we go. It's going to be messy. All right. Dave Bartlett wasn't in a million years. Going to let me smash this watermelon on the stage this morning. Typical religious leader and his rules. But this is the picture that God gave me. It's the kind of life that God is inviting us into, right? It's violent. It's sticky. It's messy. It doesn't always make sense at first. Sometimes it makes us a little bit nervous. This is the kind of life that John, that was happening with John the Baptist, right? When Jesus came, this is what's happening. Jesus is violently pulverizing all the barriers that had kept people out of the kingdom of God, right? And the crazy, wonderful, sticky, delicious juice of forgiveness and grace and mercy is flying all over, and it's getting all over the people. And it was so surprising because they have been dragging around their disease or their illness or their sin or their poverty. And they'd been bringing it to the religious leaders, and all they'd been getting in return was guilt or shame or rejection. And now they bring it to Jesus, and he crushes it like a watermelon. They're drenched in his forgiveness and mercy. And all they, they, they can't believe it. It's so surprising. All they can do is laugh. And he laughs with them. It's so much better than what the Pharisees had to offer. They thought their strict enforcement of the rules earned them a ticket into the kingdom. It might have kept them safe and comfortable and clean, but all it really did was kept them and others from experiencing the real goodness of the kingdom of God. Right? It created a false sense of security and power and entitlement. It didn't change their hearts and it didn't change other people's lives. But Jesus and his followers are engaging in people in a new way. They're busting watermelons and juices flying all over the place. They're charging in. They're trying to get to the front row. They're trying to get up close. Everyone's laughing, rejoicing. They're applauding. right? They're asking for more. They're going out and getting their friends. They're coming and they're bringing their friends back and saying, you've got to try this. You've got to see part of this. And the kingdom is growing. That's something worth fighting for, something worth being a part of and jesus's friends tell stories about people who are doing just that luke tells a story about the short tax collector who really wanted to see jesus right but the crowd was was in his way and he couldn't see so zacchaeus climbs up a sycamore tree and he probably looked about as out of place and ridiculous as a giraffe up in a tree right He he wants to see jesus so bad and jesus sees him and he says hey come down from there i'm coming to your house and it turns out he says listen the barrier wasn't your size. That wasn't what was getting, getting in between us. The barrier was your greed. And Zacchaeus listens to Jesus and he gives him his greed. Jesus replaces it with a generous heart. Zacchaeus walks out and he says, I'm given half of everything I own. To the poor, and I'm going to pay back everybody I cheated four times the amount. We're told salvation comes to Zacchaeus' house. Mark tells us about a group of men who must have seen and heard what was happening around Jesus. So they go and they get their friend, and they bring their friend, and they fight violently, violently to remove all the barriers for their friend. They cut a hole in the roof of a house, and they lower their friend down into the house. And Jesus says, "Your sins are forgiven," and he gets up and he walks and his life is radically changed. Luke tells a story about a notoriously sinful woman who crashes the party of a pharisee of all people. And she makes a scene and she falls down at the feet of Jesus and she's crying violently and tears are falling all over Jesus' feet and she's wiping those tears with her hair. And people are looking at her and they're judging her. They're feeling uncomfortable. They really want her out. And Jesus takes her shame and he stands up and he crushes the shame and he gives her forgiveness and he gives her, he publicly honors her, gives her honor and dignity in front of and above all of the other Pharisees and the people who had gathered at the house. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are full of stories about the men, the disciples, right, who left everything, who all barriers were removed and they followed Jesus around. They gave up everything to follow him around. Their lives were radically changed. They become miracle workers themselves. Jesus told the crowds, That the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who will fight violently for it. He tells us the same thing today. He continues to call us to repent, to stop and consider the things that are getting in the way in our own lives. The hindrances, the distractions, the sin that keeps us coming to him. And he says, do whatever it takes, swallow your pride, climb a tree, kneel down, cry violently at my feet, bring your guilt and shame, bring your sin to me, and then brace yourself and get ready, right? Brace yourself as he gets ready to just crush that watermelon and the rich juice of his forgiveness and his mercy just pour out all over you. And then when you leave and you start to discover new things, that are getting in your way or those old things start creeping back in remember your experience and come back and do it again and do it again and again i know in my life repentance isn't a one-time deal god is constantly bringing new things to me he says you know you're you're getting mad again and you're arguing and getting defensive again you're you're comparing yourself to others give me your jealousy right he says, come back again and let me take care of that for you. I think he wants us to get so saturated with his forgiveness and his mercy that it just starts oozing out of us and starts dripping onto other people all around us and they get a taste of it and they're like, wow, that's good. Where can I get some of that? It's like a scratch cupcake. Where do I get one of those, right? And so we, we point or we take them and we bring them to Jesus and they hand them their watermelons and he smashes them right and and the juice goes all over them as well he says fight to break down the barriers that are getting in the way between you and others in your relationships i had a, a text message from a student who's who's uh really struggling he's home and he's struggling with a relationship with his father he doesn't even know what's in the way between him and his dad but but he's he's ready to just give up he's ready to just move out for good and jesus is saying you know, why don't you both just come before me and let me take care of that barrier that's between you? Bring it to me, fight for it. All right? I've got some friends who are going through divorces right now, and one of them is—it's been riddled by an affair and infidelity, and another one is just years and years of just resentment and bitterness and growing distance that's built up. And Jesus says. I want you to fight for their marriage. I can take care of that. Let me help you. Come to me. Come together to me and let me help you take care of that. I can show you the way. Jesus says to fight, to do justice and to love mercy. Fight for those who can't fight for themselves. Fight for those people who are sick or who are dying dying, or people who are oppressed or maybe they're oppressed by their illness, Right? He says, maybe you've experienced that yourselves and you've experienced the compassion. Run with that compassion. Take your compassion, take your prayers, take your mercy out to people who are in great need. I see that happening whenever I, when I've gone to Haiti and, and Mozambique, right? These these men and women who are fighting to bring compassion and mercy and prayers to people who are who are facing the darkness of unbearable poverty. And the destruction of families from years and years of, of polygamy and the fear and control of ancestral spirits, the culture of voodoo and witch doctors, and they're taking a new way to these people. And as the people start to seek God with them, amazing, crazy things are happening. Tangible manifestations of the kingdom are busting out all over the place. And you see it, and it's amazing. I know it changed me. And people are doing that right here in our own community. I got an email from Corey Peters, who's a teacher at Holmes Junior High. And he leads the fellowship of Christian athletes. So in his spare time, he takes students and others, and he goes to some of the poorest areas in our community. He takes a bag of groceries, and they meet people. And they introduce themselves, and they have conversations. And he always asks people if he can pray for them. One of these meetings, they met a woman who had just recently moved here from Wisconsin. She'd never been in a church all of her life. Didn't know what to think about church, but she kind of thought maybe she wanted her kids to be somewhat involved. And they invited her and her family to come to church with them. She couldn't believe it. She was like, what? You can do that? You can just, if you've never been in a church, you can just go with somebody? You can come into a church? They removed a barrier and she was thrilled. She was so excited for that opportunity and that invitation. I don't know whether she is entering the kingdom, but Corey and the students that are going with him are definitely entering the kingdom. Corey's not content to wait for the kingdom. He's out fighting to bring it and advance it. Jesus says to love others violently. And he says there's no greater love than this, that you lay down your life for another person. I see that happening out at Lincoln Center. I got to spend some time with uh, some of the leaders out at Lincoln Center. And uh, the church that's merged with us recently, but they were a church that was facing a shrinking congregation and a shrinking budget a lot of people wanted to just hire a pastor to preach on Sundays. But some of the leaders like Angie and Randy Deacon and, and the Graves and the Islers, they said, God wants so much more for us. There's a community out there that's dying to know the love and the grace of Jesus. We've got to figure out a way to do more. And some people were resistant. Some people hesitated. They, all they could see were the barriers that were in the way. But they fought and they led people together. And they found a way and they, they left the Christian Reformed Church. Right? And they, and they, and they signed over their property to Orchard Hill Church. That took some courage and some fighting to be able to convince people to do that. And they, and they eliminated their leadership and they came up with a new team that came under the authority of Orchard Hill Church. And they left some old traditions that they dearly love behind. And they allowed room for some new traditions to come into their space. And I know that that's the history of this room right here, of this 830 community, this 830 service. And I know that that same call, is in front of you again as we move towards the fall, and all I can tell you is that as I, as I visited with the people in Lincoln Center, Martha Graves told me she said the spirit is back in this church. It's alive. There's new families. There's new life here. It's amazing. One of the members even went to Haiti. Crazy stuff. Ed taught on the Sermon on the Mount last week, and you know God calls us to faithfulness to faithful living. One author calls these these commands that Jesus has for how we relate with others, he says this about them. He says that uh, they are the secret to creative, practical, concrete application of Jesus' road-clearing new way. He says they provide us an opportunity to lay down our lives daily for others because they call us to approach difficult people and situations with love. And we encounter those difficult people in those situations every day. We should make a violent effort to practice the commands that Jesus lays before us. He wants us to fight hard to love others. He wants us to fight hard to remove the barriers of the culture that crowd in on our kids and our families. So much more of that is happening. More and more of the practices, the performances, the competitions, the constant connection to the world through Twitter and Facebook and our smartphones and our iPads and all this stuff. Jesus says, fight to create some space for me. Help your kids fight to have an experience with me. For some people, it's just to fight to hang on, fight to believe, fight through the doubts. Maybe the most violent thing some people can do is just come back again to engage in a community where they can learn more about Jesus and his love. And we just invite people to do that all the time here at Orchard. Jesus taught us to pray and to pray violently for his kingdom to come. And I would just ask as we close that you would join me in that prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power